0: Welcome to Two Dope Boys and a Podcast. I'm Michael Brooks. I'm Phil McKenzie. Two Dope Boys is a shout out from the margins. Each week we break down trends using the lens of culture to shed light on what's significant to your future and why. How you doing, man?
1: Doing pretty good, brother. Another Hanging journey.
0: Another journey. Another adventure. Another adventure. We have crew with us. We love all of our crew, but I always I always feel that you know, every time I'm with crew, I'm always like, core crew, special person. Important man, Mr. Rob Fields.
2: Good to be back as ever.
0: It's been too long. He's back in the lab with us. Super producer Matt Leck, creative director Shauna Wan. want to give a brief uh, shout out to the Sustainable Brands Conference in Detroit, Michigan. From May 22nd to May 25th, Phil and I are going to be presenting there and uh, talking about gentrification talking about culture but there's a lot of other people in this space from every part of the supply chain that you can imagine talking about business talking about sustainability talking about creativity it's an interesting event and it's an interesting city we look forward to being there uh, we'll have a link for you um, to the event uh, to the event page so that you can, uh, get yourself to Detroit and come see us.
1: Yeah, and we're also going to be giving you guys a discount code. Yes. So stay tuned. So stay tuned for
0: the, dis- we don't have that yet, right? We'll have a special link for that, uh, which you can use, you can find on our show notes that will give you a discount. So see you at the Sustainable Brands Conference in Detroit. We've got to get to the opposite of the Sustainable Brands Conference. The opposite of Rob Fields, the brand F up of the week. Phil and these
2: are so
0: rare. take it away I don't even really know where this is start. one of the most uncomfortable things I have ever seen in my life
1: yeah you know can basically I want to save all my vitriol for the main the main part of this but just to summarize and this is something that needs to be seen to truly get the the impact of how terrible it is but Pepsi released a new ad today um, with basically it's called the jump-in ad, and it features um, Kendall Jenner, known activist, yeah. um, and it plays to the music of um, Skip Marley, grandson of the late, great Bob Marley.
0: Boo! Yeah, doing,
1: doing, doing bad things. But basically, this ad is supposed to represent a protest in which Kendall Jenner, so moved by the activism that she sees in the crowd, decides to join in and shares a, a Pepsi with a formerly scowling police officer and world peace ensues. And to quote Ms. Jenner, <coughs> I'm thrilled to join the legendary roster of icons who have represented their generations and worked with Pepsi. To me, Pepsi is more than just a beverage. It registers as a pop culture icon and a lifestyle that shares a voice with the generation of today. The spirit of Pepsi living in the now moment is one that I believe in. I make a conscious effort in my everyday life and travels to enjoy every experience of today, including apparently protest. Oh, you know, and just, social yeah. activism.
0: Yeah, actually I, you know, it's funny though, I just to be fair, I hadn't read that statement before and now all of a sudden I feel a lot more sympathetic to that. Yeah. Yeah. I feel <laughs> so
1: much better that Kendall Jenner is on the front lines of um, social change and resistance to all of the really trying political times that that we are in and yeah you know i'm good i want to open it up to you guys because this is just a slap in the face to all things um that are that are socially relevant going on in the streets where protests are never rare are never like what they depicted in this in this ad particularly for women and people of color yeah
0: i mean just the notion that you have this kind of like very picture perfect extremely diverse happy group of people moving through a street and you only actually see scowling police at the very end of the ad because these are like apparently the most gentle chill protest police that have ever seen or witnessed any type of protest in history they're basically just completely backed off they aren't doing anything um so it's a ridiculous it's a ridiculous depiction I think what's amazing about this ad, though, is, is it just is wrong on every – I mean, it, 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 there's no way in which this doesn't work. So even you could say, okay, is there's Pepsi – There's no way in which this does work. There's no way – well, I'm, yeah, there's no way in which this does work, and there's no way in which – um, like, so as an example, if – we could have one conversation. Pepsi's the one of the last brands in the world that should be talking about. It, it, they they have to address their any number of things that they're involved with in corporate practices that they're engaged in if they want to at least make a contribution to the corporate social responsibility genre let alone getting into the protest game. Then Kendall Jenner, it's like this is the last celebrity that I would think of that would ever just pragmatically and programmatically be featured in that she has nothing to do with it then the soundtrack and i said it because everybody who you know knows me knows that i'm a reggae head i said this sounds like some bob marley knockoff shit it's got some kind of like you know soft synth roots rock reggae in the background only to find out that skip marley bob's grandson is actually singing the hooks on this So that turns into a whole other brand f up because look, I'm not saying, you know, nobody's perfect. The Marley family are a a business and entertainment family like anybody else. But there also is actually some substance to that family and that tradition. Mm -hmm. And throwing hooks on this ad totally desecrates that brand and that story. And, you know, it's just, and then it also, the final image of him, of her giving him the Pepsi is a mockery of similar images we've seen of protesters like back in the 60s, flowering the gun butt and all the rest. It's just, uh, it, it, the only thing that's good about it is just how awe-inspiringly terrible it is. It's so bad that I almost wonder if somebody on the team was trying to do some type
2: of internal sabotage at Pepsi. Wow. Um yeah, a couple things come up for me regarding this. Um, first of all, this is a great example of maybe why internal brand teams shouldn't be making ads, because it seems like you know. Look, I don't know, but I do know I do know that their in-house content creation team, the Creators League Studio, got to do an ad, and the challenge here, first of all, is did anybody outside of Pepsi help vet this idea? And it looks like a lot of people got in a room and Pepsi probably spent a lot of money uh, to get Kendall Jenner uh, as a, in, as an endorser. And so they came up with all this I- these ideas and then said, hey, we're going to do this. This is great. Rah, rah. You know, um, and they went and did it. And They're cut off from any real sense of contemporary culture, you know, Um, and it's not just about Black Lives Matter. It's about, you know, the anger and frustration that fueled the women's march. At the very least, it's about the, you know, it's, it's appropriating. I mean, we come to a lot of things at this moment. Uh, a lot of things have gotten us to this moment. Black Lives Matter, the Women's March, Occupy Wall Street. And if you think about any of those events, you know that, particularly in Occupy, police officers were punching Becky. I mean, they were pepper spraying kids, you oh, know, yeah. I mean, they were so, you know, there is, you know, it, it wasn't just that there was all this peace and love 60s style. So that disconnect and and tone deaf deafness from culture is so apparent. Secondly, it seems like it's a little off brand, uh, if I do say so myself, because Pepsi, you know, Kendall references this, like, oh, I'm so proud to be in this long line of endorsers. But all the celebrity endorsers for Pepsi have been music people traditionally. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always been, you know, Michael Jackson and Britney Spears and, you know, people. Madonna. Madonna. <laughs> Ray because, Charles. Ray Charles. Right, right. Ray Charles. Right, because, you know. Pepsi's voice of a generation was really based and rooted around music. And so this whole idea that we're just broadly about youth culture and protest is is, a, is another disservice to this brand um, because you have no history being about protest. You have a history of being a music brand and a youth-oriented music brand and somebody who plays in youth music culture. But... There was very little about that brand that could could equal have equal weight to Kendall Jenner in this spot, and so this threw it way off off brand, and it, it's just a huge miss, and it's a huge you know sort of setback for. If anybody is trying to make the case, well, hey, we can quickly get into being socially responsible and 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 try and act like we have purpose. You have to move with uh, knowing that your moves are rooted in something. That your brand is rooted in a in a kind of a north star, and this shows that they don't know what the fuck they're doing.
1: Yeah, and and you know, just the optics of it it erases the real. <clears throat> You know physical danger that Mm -hmm. comes to those who are protesting particularly when i have to keep hammering this particularly when those are women and people of color you know the police in this country are now a militarized occupying force in many communities and they're not greeting protesters with you know smiles and fucking cans of pepsi you know it's fucking pepper spray and tear gas and batons and you know rubber bullets and even what you see in in north dakota with the um, standing rock with standing rock you know these are these are real life altering and life and death um movements and dangerous and dangerous it's it's kind of like the ad
0: equivalent and this is historical so it's different but in some ways it's like the ad equivalent of life is beautiful that real goofy italian movie about the holocaust
2: but at least that had a it, point it, at least, I mean, least that point at least that was a guy trying to protect his kid sure, a- sure. at the very least sure you know? no, no no yeah it's
0: obviously it's not it, life is beautiful it's not as bad as it's yeah but yeah anyways it's a complete fail uh in and the only positive that we were noting about it before we started recording is that it's getting dragged everywhere and at least this hasn't gone missed and it's Rightfully turning out to be a massive Social media embarrassment um, Which we're adding to With some very good commentary As always gentlemen That's the brand F up We gotta get to
1: what's up Alright now we wanna jump to what's up And we're talking about sex Let's talk about it one One of our favorite topics Generally speaking whether on or off the show and the yes, yes, fashion yes. brand Eckhouse Lada, true. released their new spring 2017 campaign, and it's and you know most fashion brands tend to be pretty forward thinking as it pertains to at least visualizing sex, but these guys went a, a step a few steps further with having their models actually be um, shot having real sex. So there's wow. nothing fabricated about this. There's nothing that's actually Simulated, this is 100% real. This explains Matt's new interest in photography, it does indeed, yeah, I and mean, high fashion. He's a super producer, keeping on the high, f- yeah, you know. But the inspiration <laughs> came actually came to these guys from a Korean German photographer, um, Heji Shin, who took a break from shooting editorial to shooting a um, sex education textbook, and so they decided to basically de taboo sex like sex is something that people sometimes have a hard time talking about or looking at or seeing at least in public and and their contribution to this conversation was to basically get regular people these are not typical models they found everybody who participated in this ad through craigslist and had them have sex on the camera which then turned into their um, print ad and my perspective on this is that a the having a a more mature and forward thinking opinion around sex and how it can be used in editorial in editorial rather is a good thing. And then one of the things we've talked about on the show before is are younger people, millennials in particular, having less sex. <laughs> so no. as much as sex sells, does it still sell? If if you're if you're assuming that that research is correct, yeah, I mean, I, there those are those are yeah those
0: just taking them sort of as discrete points. In this write-up, I, I actually have to say, like, I think the idea of a photo shoot in a in a fashion context taking the next step and having non simulated sex, it to me actually, I was my surprise was actually that it hadn't been done before. To be honest with you. Um, I don't find that I, the, there's nothing. I mean, I, I think it, I, some of the, the the photos actually look good from what they put yep. in the in, in the article, which we'll have a and link to. And they're diverse. And That's they're diverse. Another quick thing. No, it's it's same it, sex diverse couples. It's well done, but the actual act of this <gasps> happening in a fashion context to me is not particularly surprising or envelope pushing. What it was actually inspired by did surprise me, which is the idea of photographing a teen sex book and then actually getting, you know, presumably, you know, 17, 18-year-olds to actually perform these sex acts. That is... I don't think that could happen in the United States, to be honest with you, as part of our kind of, like, schizophrenic attitude. We We have this... Well, we could have a million different, like, you know... Porn categories that even I would be like, whoa, what the fuck is the matter with people? But then at the same time, the notion of somebody came along and said, hey, I might want to take some, you know, tasteful photographs of 18 year olds actually demonstrating safe sex in this book that would cause a national firestorm you know so i did note that and i found that in my own kind of american sense that was what shocked me I was like, this is a fucking career i mean you know and actually that so that to me was the kind of more more interesting thing but the other but the other two quick point i mean and i and i also it, it was also a good project the other two quick points though i think you know having less sex and sex selling are kind of different things i mean i think sex is always going to be something that fascinates everybody and is a big deal to everybody um but sex selling what type of sex is selling what might be shifting you know i think that there's a lot of cliches in sex cells that particularly younger people are put off by you know i always think of those go daddy ads from the internet domain mm-hmm. service and really and always just wondering like starting when they started dropping i don't know how long ago they were but it's been like it 10 was, years, it's been like 10 years yeah. so i was you know i don't even know i guess like just leaving college or something but like i even already had the experience of like who who's who's this titillating yeah because this is just embarrassing shit so it was cheesy yeah it's cheesy Th- this is actually you know it's interesting because it's it is definitely selling sex but it's and it's actual sex was infinitely less titillating. Mm-hmm.
2: I don't know, I, I look at this and I'm like, I appreciate that they are pushing the envelope, I appreciate that it's tastefully done, but where do they go from here? Is their brand, if their brand is their brand about shock value? You've already had sex, on your, your model's having sex, so the only other place you could possibly go to is your models killing each other. So, I mean, it's really, oh, you're like... That's an escalation. Yeah. I, I'm just saying, uh, but like I if have, you... I mean, I, I have problems with a lot of girls that I've had sex
0: with, but I don't want to kill any uh, yeah, of them.
2: Yeah, but I'm just saying... Um, but <laughs> Maybe if you, you talk if to you somebody. Think <laughs> about, if you think about, you know, how do you extend what your brand stands for and if your brand is about... if you, Is your brand about sort of like this really... Stepping over the line, is that what the brand is about? Is it, is it about pushing boundaries? So, what other boundaries are there to push after you've had pictures of people actually having but sex? So, so, these pictures, so wait, wait, Victor,
0: no, I'm asking you, I want to just ask.
2: Well, let me Be, finish my thought first. Hang on, well, um, oh, cool. um, let me host. So, you, you. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Um, But the the question really is, is how do you make this brand sustainable? And how do you, as if you were a brand manager, how are you then controlling the trajectory of this brand? How do you top that? How do you not come back next year for the 2018 collection and not have people go, that's kind of boring? you know so because you, you've already set the bar so high you've already said we are willing to go there and now that you've gone there what's the next there you're going to go to so from a brand management standpoint i i think it puts them in an interesting position so i'd love to revisit this conversation in 2018 when we see this brand and see what they did i want to see what matt
0: puts together for them but my serious question for you guys though is i i don't i guess i don't perceive it looking at those photos and i understand that maybe actual sex i you know probably for some people i guess there is an intrinsic edge pushing there but i don't think that that's i mean do you think that that's what they're going for like i don't think they're going for shock value
2: well no because that's they not bo- what it they looks blotted like out all me. the all the all the uh all the all the all the, all the, all yeah. the nasty parts and
1: everything yeah. i think know, they so. went i think they were think going trying to go like, authenticity like, yeah i think they were going for normalizing yeah something that we typically sensationalized
2: right and I'm just like so how does that play I'm just saying okay so play that out now that you have built this and say you get this um, platform you get this visibility for your brand people like your clothes let's say and they want to buy more and it's year two how do you continue to grow that brand you know is it is it in a play around like Phil was saying authenticity of being authentic about what you're doing well i don't know i don't know how this well, i don't maybe know, i don't it, know what the end game well, is well if the
0: thread is as authenticity then it then it could be you know there's any number of other you know there was that those series of videos that they were doing for a while that i thought this brand know, no it was another brand i don't i don't remember who put them together but they were very gimmicky mm-hmm. but they were just they were you know they were basically like they put basically people on camera and they'd kiss someone from a background that they hadn't kissed before. This was like videos of oh, going yeah, around, yeah, with kiss? kiss. Yeah, those two videos. strangers
2: kiss. Two know? strangers
0: kiss, but sometimes there would be a hook on it. Like you I've never kissed a Hispanic man before. See, I never saw that one. I've never. The there, there was, before. yeah. It started with strangers, and then they, add, and then they added a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those videos, I, I, I thought they were gimmicky and weird, and I wasn't so into them. But what they were actually gauging was just the. You know, in that case, I would say really novelty. Mm-hmm. It was just the novelty of the experience. So I think, is if a you follow, play? I think it is a novelty play. But I think if you went in an authenticity play, and I don't know how well it could go, I can imagine a lot of other scenarios. Um, I mean, I don't know how this works in a fashion sense, but some, you know, you could you know, someone, you know, caring for a parent. Who's ill? I mean, you know, there there's a lot of, I mean, it's not obviously that's the opposite of yeah. this sort of like, you know, pleasure hedonism. But I'm saying if the notion is you're trying to produce a certain type of raw human experience in an unmediated way, and that's the anger they're playing with, there is a lot of ways they could go. Yeah. I don't know whether it'll work or not. I mean, I sex mean, is the obvious play.
2: <coughs> sex, yeah. sex is the obvious play. And if you think about that sort of like high fashion sex space, like all the stuff that like, uh, you know Tosh and uh, the publisher Tosh and does I mean those big coffee table yeah. books I mean there's a space for that mm-hmm. you know but <clears throat> that's very much about um, like kind of a photographer and not a not necessarily a, a a fashion house that needs to sell some clothes to somebody so
1: I mean, yeah. it's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. Next Maybe they could just facial. make. Yeah, uh, yeah, full facial. Yeah. Full facial.
0: That's what I was thinking. They just, 2018 is just, yeah, just fucking. Yeah, they just keep escalating the axe. Yeah. Yeah. By the time Squirting we're done. Squirting and come shots everywhere. It's like, whoa.
1: Whoo. On the clothes or on not? I don't know. Always off the clothes. Yeah.
0: Can't,
1: can't obscure the clothes. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Mm.
0: That's what I always say.
1: And uh, that's but, that's mm, what's up. up. <laughs>
0: So now we gotta get to what's next, and we've talked a lot on this show about exploitation in the creative economy and brands and sort of incumbents in creative spaces, obviously exploiting freelancers and various other forms of, of labor, and really just even the basic sort of ridiculousness of the gap between compensation and work. And Condé Nast uh has a proposal, a policy that they were about to implement that the Fashionista.com got a hold of, um, where basically they were offering an option to uh, people that apparently we don't know what this first applied to. We just knew that this was a policy they outlined for people who wanted to get paid in an expedited manner after doing work for Condé Nast. This is what the memo said at the top of our project list is an accelerated payment option, which will allow you to get paid more quickly when a small discount is taken off of the invoice is accepted. There will be more news coming out on this enhancement over the next few months, so in other words, if you want us to not sit on your money for several months and maybe pay you in a semi timely fashion, you just got to take some money from yourself and kick it back to us it 's an unbelievable scam uh They released a statement to fashionista.com and basically said, the charges outlined in the memo do not apply to freelance writers, photographers, or creatives. The quote-unquote nominal discount option is offered to larger corporate vendors who can generally work with the publisher. Now, we've all said in this room out of the gate that our instinct would be that, of course, the first plan was that this applies to everybody, very much including freelancers, would be our, uh, our guess and they saw how bad the publicity would be, and rightfully so, and then they wanted to kinda cut left and pivot. Maybe we'll figure out what exactly these corporate vendors are to Condé Nast, but the bigger point that we wanted to sort of drive home, that from the perspective of any level in creative services, whether you're a freelance photographer or running a small agency or in a job hiring process, this acceptance that there is gonna be some massive gap between the labor that you contribute to a company and when they compensate you is fundamentally dysfunctional and unfair
1: yeah most of these organizations as someone who's worked and and run an agency and work with a lot of brands they they will pay on a 90-day basis if you're lucky you know sometimes it can be normal i would say is 120 and in, and in some cases you'll you'll see longer than that. And when you're building um, a campaign, when you're doing an event, we did a lot of um, experiential events um, for, for a host of different brands, you have an outlay of, of money that you need to put out in order to produce these events, you know, whether that's um, paying staff, um, renting venues, getting video, whatever it is that it takes to produce whatever you've been hired to do, travel, if you're doing these things out of the city where you're based. And it was always striking to me that this was just a normal course of doing business. And the financial piece of it is that it's a cash management tool on behalf of large corporations right. to basically hold on to their cash where they make money on um, any number of, of investments. Usually things like commercial paper and stuff like that. That's, you know, when you when there are a lot of zeros behind it, the money does add up they'd rather have it cash in hand for them than than pay vendors and it it very much likened me to a feudal system where if you're building um small organizations you know you're you're beholden to these corporate feudal lords that decide when and under what means they're going to pay you despite the fact that you have to do so much work and and it, and it really cripples business a lot of businesses sometimes go under not because they they don't have clients in business it's cash management right it's it's literally your receivables and your payables don't match and you're waiting to get paid and you got other stuff owed and i think it's crippling to to creatives and it's it was important 10 15 years ago but it's even more important as we move into these so-called gig economies and and things like that right. like people are more and more in these smaller informal organizations, yeah. and the larger, fewer corporate titans are not adjusting their processes to match the realities of the creative industries, and and that's that's why this article like really um, stuck out to me because it's a practice that goes beyond Condé Nast. It's 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 standard throughout um, the branding world.
2: Yeah, you know, this, it, I think it just gets to the point that paying people quicker shouldn't cost more money. You know, there are services that, you know, say, because you want to pay, say, via credit card, we're going to charge you more money than if we, if you link your bank account. Huh? I don't get. Right. I, I don't. I don't get any of that. And you know, for a company the size of a Condé Nast to say we'll pay you faster if you knock money off, it's like. But there are people whose job is it, it, it whose job it is to do nothing but accounting and cut checks. So it's, it's not like. Came up with the idea. It's not like <laughs> we're asking the CEO to stop what he's doing and go down and 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 cut a check for something. You know, it's just uh, I don't know. It's just it's 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 exploitative oh, in yeah. a whole lot of Straightly ways, and there's no real way to justify it, particularly when. You know, they kind of couch it, if you notice, in this, oh, it's just for some of our larger vendors. It's like, is this supposed to be a relationship-building tool? It's like, why don't I have a relationship based on the quality of work I deliver to you? And to quote to quote the, the character in Spike Lee's Girl 6, you know, when the actress goes, uh, uh, Teresa Randall's character goes, but I, I really respect you. And, and she said, well, if you respected me, you would pay me. Exactly. I mean that's kinda of what about, it comes and, and down and that's, to. And
0: that's and we've created this massive cultural situation where everything is about recognition and it's about props and it's about, you know, shine and all of the stuff, which whatever. I mean, at a certain point that's gotta start turning into dollars and cents. Because you can't that's pay how your people rent people eat. You can't pay that's your rent. That's how people with pay like and, and also and you know, and just incidentally I always, you know, take this opportunity. I mean, I I've in my I you know, I've had my own nothing too egregious but ridiculous like you know it's just like i shouldn't have to wait that long for something i did you know basic stuff i've i've heard story i mean i knew a, a professional freelance photographer who you know he had to take an agency to court at the end of his cycle with them and that's an extreme in the other end but you know he's a very good very professional guy delivered his work and they just kept giving him the oh yeah 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 sorry you know things are crazy here blah blah blah. All of a sudden it's a year, Ooh, and through a combination yep. and and through a combination of saying on one hand like I actually need that money, and also the principle that like you should take a year. You're yeah. basic. You're you're basically trying to rob me of ten fifteen thousand right, dollars because that's functionally right, like right. If I stop sending you those emails and you're completely <laughs> unaccountable and unethical. Uh, while I'm on your ass about something I did for you, if I stop doing it, you're gonna all of a sudden the check's gonna arrive in the mail
2: eh, probably not yeah and- I mean that's the and that's the the problem particularly as we think about the creative industries is that there is a food chain and the agencies hold on to money because the brands are stretching out payments you know and it ultimately does come back to you know these the the brands who could very quickly say, okay, we're going to pay you in a reasonable amount of time and you need to pay your vendors in a reasonable amount of time. I mean, the brands could make that happen if they felt so incentivize if they felt like they wanted to be good corporate citizens and set an example because whatever a brand says is what was going to happen if a brand says if a, if a cmo says the next time you bring a pitch team in here they need to reflect the diversity of the audience we're trying to reach mm-hmm. you can best believe that agency will not show up with a room full of a non-diverse crew right they will and right. if you say you need to pay your people quickly cuz we're going to pay you quickly and i don't want to hear any more about you know on social media popping about how you don't pay and you're you know cuz that makes me look bad yeah it would it would change it really would yeah. so yeah.
1: is is the financialization of our lives you know to the yeah. example you gave about you know the bank like it's it's atm fees it's charges for everything right. it's like they've built in this system to charge you just for living and existing, right. Right. without adding any real value right. to what to what you're doing, and you know, wonky economists would call that financialization. The money isn't made on creating anything; it's, it's merely made on exacting way. fees.
2: Right, and know? and the bi- and the big companies. Not to go too far off into this, but I used to work. I used to temp at Citibank, and I worked in the division that would for its big national and international clients they did this whole thing this the sweep they would sweep the money to an offshore account overnight to collect the interest and the first transaction of the day would be the money would come back into the account so because you can't really earn interest on a checking account the business checking but you can overseas so they sweep it to the caymans Get that interest overnight, whatever right. those, you know, .00 whatever cents. But on like, you know, if yeah. you got Them 300 millions in the in the account or whatever, that adds up and you sweep it back in. And that's – there's a whole division in Citibank that just does that for people. Pizza slices add up. Exactly. Um, so Everything you got to pay
0: people and we got to band together and get paid. I mean this is the – you know, the other thing that I say too is that all of the things that, you know, people in the, in this fantasy life that because we were in a new economy supposedly and new technology that the old rules didn't apply they do apply which is that power matters and in in especially in a creative and a gig economy people are going to somehow need to start synthesizing having all of this independence and flexibility but also those communities and those bonds that form are going to need to start turning into things like labor unions oh my god and unions! yeah like 'Cause that's the reason you have a weekend. That's the reason you got paid for things in the first place. There's no prod there's no natural progression. There's no companies all of a sudden decide. They'll take everything they can from you. And if they if they they could make you
2: work on the weekends, they would do it.
0: And a lot of them do. Right. And so that's what's next. We gotta get to the crates, fellas. now we got to get to the crates this is our pick from culture something that'll make everything better for you uh and i'll start this is a really simple one really fast uh and we'll cut some of this in um so you can hear it in the background uh in addition to being a reggae head i'm also i like soca i don't know if i love soca but i like it and i like michelle montano this came out several months ago a couple months ago 2017 but right around carnival season this new fast wine song it's fun it'll push you in a good mood it's a contrast to a burning world i've had a lot of fun listening to it and at parties and i hope you will too that's my crates this week
2: pair with our episode on afro soca and you've got a great... There you go. Go back into is? the deep See, archive. Deep, link. deep linking deep archive. here. Oh. That is the first time Rob came by. Yeah, I think
1: so. And we
0: talked about Afros. That's a good show. And also, everybody got introduced to Michelle Montano then, too. That's right. And I remember, you know, I because I saw him live at Carnival in, in, in Trinidad. And that's someone who I'm sure will keep sort of growing on your global radar if you're interested in that kind of thing. So and listen we, to Fast One.
2: And we also introduced the, uh, we also pitched the uh, startup concept of Two Boys Travel, which is about to launch soon. So uh, yeah. we got to make yeah. that happen. In the <laughs> works, baby. In the works. we got to get you a captain's for that. <laughs> um, let's see. My crates are, I'm just like looking at what I'm listening to. Um, Right now, Um, shouting out Valerie June, her new album, The Order of Time. Um, She's a Tennessee sort of uh, folk Americana artist with a gorgeous hair of dreadlocks, um, great voice. Um, I'm rediscovering. Gregory Porter's Take Me to the Alley, good Mm. jazz vocals. um, Love in the Time of Madness, to jump on our uh, conversation from the other night, the new Jose James album. Love him. Rob came by our communion event and did an
0: amazing job. And and the last one I would
2: say is, you know, at what cost? By Gold Link. Mm. Just checking out Gold Link. I'm trying to keep my ears open to what the you know, what the what the youth is doing and in into and yeah, everything. Gold Link is Gold I play not them that a lot. at all. I play them a lot. Yeah, yeah Gold Link um, is
1: good. My crate is real is real simple this week. I got a movie as a documentary. <clears throat> One of the classics. It's insightful. It's funny. It's informative. It's deeper than you think. Um American Pimp. Yeah. Which was um directed by the Hughes Brothers, mm. most famously known for um Menace to Society. <clears throat> Which I think is much better than um, Boys in the Hood. Um, and it's just a movie about the subculture of um, the pimp game and how it works. And it, it kind of disabuses us of um, certain, um, you know, myths about about pimping is not for everybody. Um, If you're kind of the prude type, I wouldn't recommend it. But if you're actually really interested in digging into a culture that has been so much a part of um, hip hop and influenced so many different people, particularly on the West Coast, between um, Too Short and Ice-T and Snoop's sort of middle Snoop persona, it kind of all runs through this idea of of the pimp game so american pimp it's a documentary by the Hughes brothers came out in 1999 it's a great it's a great watch john jose um
0: okay so that's another edition Thank you, brother. Survived. I made it through with
1: minimum coffee. Yeah, always do.
0: Mr. Rob Fields with his brilliance and his Thank you. very white voice. Thank you. As always, super producer Matt Leck. Thank you very Creative much. Creative director Shauna Wan. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, all those places you could find us uh, and interact with us. Sustainable Brands Conference in Detroit in May. Link to it on the show notes. We'll see you on
1: Thursday for On Point.